Hi, my name's Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday the 2nd of November. Coming up in today's show, uh, Small Biz Pod takes a look at the issue of the skills shortage uh, in the UK, but I'm sure it applies elsewhere too. Um, how do businesses deal with the fact that the right employees are becoming harder and harder to find, it would appear? And uh, I have coming up very shortly interview with the managing director of Sage UK, who commissioned some research on the subject just recently. That's Joe Ray, as well as some commentary from the institute of directors and the managing director of a fast-growing ISP who is recruiting in the uh, IT sector, which is uh, particularly hard hit in terms of the skills shortage. But first, I thought I'd just play uh, an audio comment from Bob Cartwright at Backpacking Light. Uh, It's always a a real pleasure to receive audio comments, and I I can't say it enough, and I'm sure you guys all out there listening now know that. Uh, But if you want to, uh, just uh, phone me up and leave a message on the answer machine, and we'll, uh, we'll play your thoughts on the show. So let's listen to what Bob has to say. Hi, Alex. It's uh, Bob Cartwright here from uh, the Outdoors Channel and uh, Backpacking Light. Um, just wanted to leave you a voice message to say um, just how much I enjoyed uh, Small Beast Pod number 32, the interview with um, Andy Egan. Uh, I just want to say what a frank and honest interview that uh, was and just how much I appreciated as a, as a small business person his candor uh, about the risks he takes um, and no doubt still takes uh, in running his business. Uh, it's nice to know that I'm not the only one. And um, also, I thought I might let you know as well after listening to Small Business Pod 29 and the interview with Steve Layton of uh, hasbeen.co.uk uh, that we hope to be doing some business in a small way with them as well, uh, which is interesting. It just goes to podcasting increases your business um, and finally well uh, the best to look at the podcast com uh, it should be very interesting to to see how that develops anyway um, all the best and uh, keep up the good work really enjoying it take care well thanks a lot bob that's uh, really great feedback and yeah i thought the interview with andy egan was was you're right very very honest and uh uh, very interesting uh, to 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 hear some of the the pressures that a that a business that is uh, slightly larger than your average small business um, faces. Um, so yeah, I think you're right on that. Interesting too, and you're you're not the only one who, having listened to this show, has gone on to form a, a contact or a business opportunity with a with another listener or an interviewee. Um, uh, I think there was a. Uh, a VC who got in touch with um, Nunu Designs who appeared on the show a little while back. So uh, that is always really heartening to hear and, and somewhat of a surprise that um, through Small Biz Pod, business is being done, but that's that's always great. And as for Podcast Con UK, which is, as some of you will know, the UK's only podcasting conference, uh, which I, for my sins, am organising with uh, a few other guys. Uh, more on that later. So what is it that really is a headache for uh, small businesses? If you look at lists and uh, surveys, very often it is red tape and bureaucracy that that comes out top as being a real pain in the backside for for most entrepreneurs or small businesses. Um, Equally, uh, finding finance is often um, quoted as a a bit of a a headache. Um, But one of the, the... issues that is always in the the top three nearly always in in terms of surveys that you see in the UK and elsewhere is the issue of finding the right staff um, the the right skilled staff um, the issue of the skills shortage itself so let's go into an interview that I did with um, Joe Ray uh, managing director of Sage 
on this very subject. Okay, um, according to a recent uh, survey from uh, SAGE, their Heartbeat survey, which is one of the biggest surveys of um, business attitudes um, in the UK, uh, 3,700, I believe, business decision makers are, are interviewed, which makes it, makes it sizable and worth listening to. Um, around, well, nearly half of uh, business owners admit that there is a shortage of skilled people within their company. That's quite extraordinary uh, figure in many ways. And furthermore, 65% of those businesses believe that standards are not likely to, or that that trend is not likely to reverse, simply because standards uh, amongst school leavers and university leavers are uh, slipping. Um, so uh, I've got with me today um, Joe Ray, who's Managing Director of SAGE, um, on the line, just to, to talk a little bit about the findings of those surveys. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Um, it is quite a, a shocking statistic, although uh, small business groups, uh, CBI, FSB and so on and so forth, have, have frequently raised concerns about the skills shortage. I guess one of the, the, the more surprising elements of uh, your survey is the areas in which businesses are finding people hard to recruit. Uh, and namely, um, IT, well, you would expect IT uh, might be a difficult area, but also marketing. Um, what, what, what's your impression of those particular two areas and why there should be a, a difficulty for businesses in recruiting? Um, I think in terms of IT and marketing, they are quite um, skilled areas. So they're areas of specialist knowledge. So people require... Um, more specific training or development in order to um, to gain those skills and that's where for small businesses um, and, and all businesses actually it's quite a challenge because encouraging people to take time out to get those qualifications um, when you're a small business and you you need people at work is it's difficult and it's a challenge for them to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can understand that in terms of the IT, but I mean, tr traditionally concerns have, have ranged around um, sort of scientific engineering and technical employees, of which IT, I guess, is one. Marketing, one would anticipate, is, uh, is much like um, media studies in terms <laughs> of the younger generation. I would have thought lots of people want to uh, get involved in, in marketing. It's quite, a, it's quite a trendy area, isn't it? Um, is, is it really that, that, that good marketers are, are thin on the ground or...? or well, I'm, an, I'm in marketeer myself by background, right. okay. <laughs> so I should probably confess that now. <laughs> um, so I think it is interesting. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I would equate marketing um, <clears throat> to, to being necessarily a trendy area. It's certainly perhaps one of the more, more, perhaps more modern yeah. um, roles in business these days. And as a marketeer, it's certainly something that you find <laughs> that everybody has an opinion on. Yeah. So everybody likes to have an opinion on marketing. Everybody wants to be involved. But actually, sometimes it's not appreciated that there is a skill set, there is a set of qualifications that go with it. Yeah. And that's something that I think we need to have more appreciation of going forward. Now, I also spoke to Mike Harris, who is Head of Education and Skills at the Institute of Directors, to ask how he felt the skills shortage was impacting small and medium-sized businesses in the UK. There's no doubt that it is a, a serious issue for many businesses. We did a survey last year on the factors holding back businesses from growing, mm. and skill shortages and skills gaps were one of the top three answers behind 
regulations and taxes. Yeah. So there's no doubt that it affects a lot of small businesses and the impact is also quite severe. And um, what, in your view, should um, government be doing to, to, to improve the situation? I mean, obviously, there is a, there's the broader issue of um, the, the overall standards of education in the UK, but there are there any, any practical issues that the IOD has been lobbying for? Well, the standards in education that you mentioned are actually critical to, to this argument because unless standards of literacy and numeracy particularly mm. uh, are driven up, then skill shortages and skills gaps will persist. Businesses will, of course, invest in training where it's job-specific, but it helps enormously to have people who are adequately literate and, and numerate to start with. So we ought to uh, you know, make sure that is properly emphasised, and, and to give the government its credit, I think it does recognise that. Yeah. Uh, there are another, other aspects that they can still strengthen. The system of academic qualifications can still be improved. We would like to see greater competition in the market for vocational and academic qualifications. Um, and its priority, really, above all of this, should be an aim to keep the regulatory and tax burdens low so the businesses ultimately have the resources to invest in training. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, superficially, um, GCSE results, A-level results, and so on and so forth, are reaching um, higher and higher levels, I mean, in terms of the, the, the numbers passing and the grades obtained. How does that match up with a skills shortage? Well, it depends what you look at, because... Yes, the overall pass rate for GCSEs rises year on year, as it does for the numbers passing A-levels. But we would like to focus in on looking at the proportion who get five or more GCSEs, including English and maths. And that's still less than half of pupils, which is not good enough. You go lower down the scale and you look at the proportion of 11-year-olds reaching the expected standards for their age in the reading, writing and maths test. And again, it's just only about half, mm. uh, just over half, that, that reach that expected standard. So it's very easy to get distracted by the very high numbers of overall pass rates, but really we should zero in on those who are not attaining the very basic standards in literacy and numeracy. One UK company that has faced issues around trying to recruit the most skilled IT staff is UK ISP, UK Fast, a Manchester-based award-winning ISP. Uh, and I talked to Lawrence Jones, uh, its managing director, about the issues it's had with recruitment. We're in an industry where it's it's a very new industry, so it is obviously it's IT based, but it's it's um, hosting in- industry has not been around for very long, and it's such a fast moving industry. It's very very difficult to find the people with the skills that we require. Mm. We've become, um, I suppose we've become known as the Rolls-Royce of the internet industry and it's important for us not to dilute our support yeah. so it makes it even harder again because we we allow all of our customers to, to talk to, I suppose, what people would traditionally refer to as a third-line technical support manager. Um, now, these people are, are very, very difficult to locate. Yeah. We, we search the globe, literally the, the whole, you know, the globe for these people um, using various different techniques. Um, my latest member of staff of all places has come from Iraq. Okay, um, interesting. We we came across him via um, via via a website of all places. We use Monster to recruit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As one of the methods of recruitment, um, he came he came through that. We we psychometric tested him, you know, uh, before the second interview, yeah. and then the second interview he, he came. His profile was so high, we just we just said, yeah, super. This is exactly the sort of person he wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the, the standard procedure for us would be to, you know, we we would try not to use a recruitment agency. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I would plug into tools that recruitment agencies would use. For example, you know, I mentioned Monster. Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, many other websites out there. There's Recruitment, which is a read-owned company. Um, you know, where you can actually put up an advert and and you get you know some good candidates back. Um, but these days, what what we tend to find is that the people who who respond to an advert. Um, what they put on their CV might not be a direct correlation to actually of their real knowledge. Right. It seems to be um, seems to be people are less likely to tell the truth these days. Right. That's um, quite a disturbing which is a trend. In the IT world, because it's very easy to write a, a, a list of services that people do. Yeah. Um, so they get past the first the first stage, and you know, and um, they get to, you know, which is the HR stage, and they do the psychometric test, and they look like great people. Yeah. Um, and then you really sit them down with you know the network engineers, and suddenly they, you know they're totally out of their depth. Yeah. And, and what they've you know what it really meant was that these are things they wanted to do, to, to do, mm, mm, um, mm. or they had an interest in doing. You know, so um, it is you know that is, I think that is a problem in, in the UK at the moment. So what does an what does an employee like yours do about this? I mean, is there is there something that, that that you can do in terms of developing training, getting out in the community to encourage um, uh, students to, to to look seriously at at careers and education in IT, or is it a question of um, putting pressure on government to do more to ensure that the skills gap narrows? I think I think putting pressure on government would be a fantastic idea. Uh, you know, I think it's not a very sexy topic. No. You know, dismantling, you know, computers and then dismantling the software is just not something that's particularly exciting. It takes a very, very specific type of person who wants to do that. My job is to actually um, find the right sort of magnets to attract those sort of people yeah. to us. But clearly uh, businesses have a responsibility to... Um, train their own staff whilst they're on the whilst they're on the job, as it were, to uh, improve the the skills of the workforce, um, and uh, it's something that that employers uh, can't overlook. And clearly, uh, Mike Harris believes that too. Business is an absolutely vital role to play in that regard, and certainly with IOD members, we know that over ninety percent provide training for their employees. They take it very seriously and invest considerable sums of money. I think the, uh, the surveys that the Learning and Skills Council conduct also show a rising proportion of businesses investing in training and it's absolutely uh, crucial that this continues in, in that direction. Um, and there are other ways that they can work uh, in partnership with the government to increase the proportion of employees getting training. They can get involved in designing qualifications, uh, working in partnership with further education colleges, universities, sector yeah. skills councils. So there's a lot that business can do and it's, and it's absolutely essential that they do it. And there's a recently launched Train to Gain initiative, isn't there? Absolutely, to, to help boost the proportion of people who are qualified at levels two and three. Speaking from the IOD's perspective, most of our members require a very highly qualified workforce, so we don't have any direct experience of the, the Train to Gain program. Mm. We tend to train at a higher level, but we, we applaud the government uh, for setting up the employer training pilots and uh, very much welcome the Train to Gain initiative. It has a very important part to play. Now, while initiatives like Train to Gain are clearly having a, a benefit um, on the overall workforce, when it comes to some specialist staff, whether it, whether it be in IT areas or, or marketing, there are still issues to be faced, um, as uh, Lawrence Jones at UK Fast explains. What I find, the people that come to join us mm. seem to have learned most of their skills you know, whilst in their, in their bedroom or yeah. you know, yeah. when everybody else was out 
kicking a football around. These people yes. thought, well, actually, I, I'd prefer to analyse, you know, this, you know, this particular. I mean, one of my chaps, for example, uh, from 15, he was supporting an American hosting company, um, really, right. earning 18,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and you know, at 17, I, I, I stumbled upon him and spoke to his father and said, look, I, I, your son's got a gift. I want, to, I want him to come and work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he now works for us, and I reckon he'll have his own office with his little basketball hoop and over the bin, and you know <laughs> okay. he can have whatever colour wallpaper, whatever he wants. So the geeks, you know. the geeks yeah. still rule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I reckon I've, you know, you know, if if it was if it was the geek of the year competition, he would be right up there. Interesting to hear from you know uh, an empl- a growing employer in the UK who mm. really is. Um, Perhaps victim is not quite the right word, but who who understands the the difficulty in recruiting in in the the IT sector? Well, so, it's not just about recruiting. I mean, yeah. the next thing I was explaining is that you know once you've actually got these great people, it's about retaining them. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I think that's the key. Is because there are very many of them around. You've got to actually create an environment where um, you know where they're happy. And, and how do you how do you, you know, do that example, at UK you know, UK Fast? Yeah, absolutely. UK Fast is is a very unusual company. It's probably going to be a bit, little bit like the Google of the North. Okay. You know, we're we're creating an environment upstairs, which is, you know, um, in this building where they've got, you know, it's a dormitory, you know, where they can stay over if they want. There's, you know, big kitchen with a kitchen environment. I'm, I'm looking at a, you know, putting a chef in there for them. Okay. Um, you know, I've got pool tables, table tennis tables, football, you know, foosball. So you know it's. It's a fun environment, you know. The weekend yeah. they were all out shooting me in, on the paintball, you know, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the forest. And yeah. we play Tuesday, you know, play play, you know, football every Tuesday night. And we've got go karting coming up. You know, we do a Grand Prix, you know, once or twice a year. So, yeah. there are, although they are very, you know, quite insular at times, these people are actually good communicators, and they're actually learning these Linux skills to actually because they underneath they actually want to communicate at a, at a whole new level. Of course, uh, Lawrence's uh, staff there and the, the efforts he goes to to uh, retain them, ret- staff retention is clearly very important for uh, most employers. Uh, you don't want to have to keep on recruiting, keep on losing people. You want to keep the good ones. Um, but interestingly, uh, the SAGE survey also found that people's impressions or, or employees' impressions of um, their colleagues' or co-workers' skills differed greatly uh, within each business? We, we asked people to, to rank their own skill area. So, for example, we asked IT people to consider how skilled they were. Mm. And um, IT people consider themselves to be extremely skilled. But interestingly, when you ask their co-workers, so you ask the broad business community what's the perception of the skill set of um, IT, they don't have quite the same right. same view. <laughs> and actually, that's quite consistent. In, well, in general, in IT, in sales and marketing, people rate themselves um, more, more highly than their co-workers do. So I'm not quite sure what that says about relations within businesses, but I think it's quite an interesting point. It perhaps also does say something about people's appreciation of skills of different areas as well yes. and understanding of what skills are required. I think it's almost human nature to believe that you've, you, you're the most, um, the most skilled <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Absolutely. It is kind of human nature. But equally, um, I think there is a, there's an important issue, whether it's for, for, for big businesses or small businesses, about breaking down some of the kind of silo mentality that often exists, where, whereby you know, it's very much you know, specialist groups within a business 
um, who who focus on their areas and and don't really understand other areas of the business. I think that's right. And so much, I mean, when you think of the skills that are required in business, actually so many of those skills are sort of generic skills. So you don't just have to learn your your professional skills, your technical skills. So, you know, being a finance person, learning your finance skills, the skills required in business around influencing, persuasion, you know, selling, um, networking, all those skills are generic. So you're right about breaking down silos. People can learn from each other, regardless of which area of the business they work in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, and I think it would bring a bring a greater appreciation of the the the, the particular skills of um, of individuals Absolutely. within the business. I mean, we do a lot of work getting our sales and our customer service people to understand each other, for example, and, and the different lives that they lead and the different skills that they have, yeah. so they can appreciate the different roles that they perform. Yeah. In the business. Now that's actually one uh, figure that did jump out at me um, from a uh, from a small business perspective, from a consumer perspective. It's interesting that twenty eight percent of respondents suggested that customer service was the most skilled department in British business. Now I know things have improved on that front, but uh, the the general experience and the bad press that customer service gets in relation to many businesses is quite extraordinary. And um, that figure kind of jumps out of out at you. Um, well, why do you think businesses believe that is such a skilled area? I think it's because um, increasingly businesses are under increasing pressure from customers to change and to adapt. You know, change their products, evolve the way that they do business, be much more market focused. Yeah. So I would hope that that sort of pressure is driving people to understand that being close to customers, connecting with customers is really important to, to running a good business. And I think there is, there is much more of that consumer pressure that, that there is in the consumer world is coming into business mm. about making sure that you really understand what your customers want, what your customers need, um, as, as much in business as we would see you know, on the high street, yeah. for example. I suppose the true test of that figure will be whether uh, public perceptions of customer service in business um, begin, to, uh, begin to match those of the business themselves. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's, that's great. Thanks very much for your time today, Jo. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I hope that's been an interesting insight into some of the issues and challenges that businesses face around recruiting uh, the right people with the right skills um, so that they can uh, run their businesses uh, efficiently and effectively. Uh, But also um, uh, highlighting there, I think, too, how important it is to um, train and improve the skills of your employees uh, as you go along, so to speak. Now, um, Podcast Con, which uh, I am jointly organising with a few other guys, uh, that's the UK's only podcasting conference, is coming up on Saturday the 18th of November, so only a couple of weeks away. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. Um, here's a little promo from the very talented Gary Dring, uh, which I think you'll all enjoy. I am going to a podcasting event. What's that in? Podcast Con 2006. Don't go. Why not? It's a con. No, it's podcast con. Con. It's the abbreviation for Condoleezza. Oh, so now you got Ross with your curry. <laughs> Shut up. I will be networking with other podcast professionals and getting all my questions answered. Like what? Well, like how to get a more compassionate sounding voice. What for? I was told by a prominent podcaster that I need to use more compassion. I think it might have been compression. No. Well, I've got technical questions too. 
like how to plug my microphone into my new state-of-the-art mixer. What's that in? Pioneer? Techniques? Kenwood. Oh, nice. When's this thing on then? Saturday the 18th of November at CCT Smithfield in London. It's going to be marvellous. Oh, well, I hope you have a nice time. Mind you, podcasting's just the same as radio, really, isn't it? I'm going to have to kill you now. PodcastCon 2006. Full details at podcastcon.co.uk. Well, thanks very much, Gary. Um, a piece of uh, podcasting genius there, so um, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, PodcastCon is, is really shaping up very nicely. I mean, we've got some fantastic panellists, um, lots of opportunities for anyone attending to ask loads of questions about um, sort of how-tos on podcasting, if that's where you're coming from. Um, some insight into sort of the citizen um, journalist angle, citizen media angle, um, a uh, fascinating debate from some um, big names in business, um, Lonely Planet, for example, um, and the one of the UK's leading PR agencies, Edelman, on how podcasting can be used in in a business context, as well as lots on music, um, lots of entertainment, lots of really good fun. Um, three live bands. Did I mention that? Three live bands. Um, and you get fed and watered throughout the day. So, um, all for just a paltry £41.50. So, do head over to the podcastcon.co.uk site. Um, be great to, to meet up with some small biz pod listeners if you're around on Saturday, the 18th of November. And I will, um, pick you out and say hello and buy you a drink, maybe. And uh, a big thank you to Cheese, uh, the digital direct marketing agency who are sponsoring PodcastCon. I mean, it really, really makes a big difference when a company like Cheese puts its uh, money where its mouth is. Uh, and um, big thanks to them and Jamie Riddle there. Uh, without their support, PodcastCon simply wouldn't happen. So um, on to some thank yous and some uh, comments from listeners. But first of all, let me say to Juliet Prowse, you have been so patient. Juliet has sent me in a fantastic interview, um, 20 minutes or so, with um, a Canadian marketing guru. And it will be coming out very, very shortly indeed, Juliet. Um, apologies for, for the delays, but um, I'll drop you an email. And, and the rest, as far as the rest of you are concerned, do listen out. It's, uh, it's going to be the next podcast up. I mean, it's a great example of uh, a small biz pod listener um becoming a producer uh, i've always said that production you know being a user or a, a, or and a producer or a listener and a producer the, the the boundaries are blurred it's your show as much as it is mine and um if you want to come up with uh, your own stories your own segments and um, then you can do as juliet has done and uh, so stay tuned for that one which will be coming out in um probably a little under a week actually um if you'll believe me, which you ought to. Okay, um, so this, that's that sorted. Um, thanks for your patience, Juliet. And then on to some further comments from listeners. Um, first off, an email from Andy Minchell, who says, just a quick note to say that I've just started listening to your podcasts. I'd like to congratulate you on your excellent format and great information. Uh, I've been dreaming of starting my own business for quite some time, and your podcasts are helping provide the confidence to build on my ideas. In fact, the second podcast I listened to struck many chords in my passion for starting a business, uh, the Coffee Bean Guy from hasbeen.co.uk. Um, my main skill, however, is in IT software training, and I'd like to operate freelance training service of my own, providing bespoke software application training both online and face-to-face. My first step, developing an attractive website, is underway in tandem with my research into subjects and services that companies and individuals are looking for. 
keep up the good work and all the best. And that's from Andy Mitchell. So, Andy, many thanks for that. And good luck with your um, uh, venture into uh, the world of uh, entrepreneurship. Um, good luck with the, with the business. Um, I'm sure it'll go well. And thank you very much for for letting me know that um, the show is, is helping you in practical ways. After all, that is uh, one of the main reasons why I set Small Biz Pod up in the first place. So it's always really, really heartening to know that that is happening. So I'm on to... Um, oh, yes, yeah, some comments left on the uh, on the blog. Um, one from Paul Cheetle. Uh, you can always leave a comment on the Small Biz Pod blog at smallbizpod.co.uk. Uh, just scroll down to the bottom of each entry for each podcast and uh, click on the, the comments button and then you'll be able to leave a comment on the particular show. Um, this one from Paul Cheetle says, I've just discovered Small Biz Pod. What a great find. Alex, your presenter style is honest and natural. Feels a bit like we're having a chat. I enjoyed the Andy Egan interview. It'd be great if Andy or someone could be persuaded to come up with a well-defined, succinct 10-step roadmap towards AIM listing. Keep up the good work. Regards, Paul. Uh, yeah, Paul, I agree with you that a 10-step roadmap for AIM listening would be great. Um, see whether we can sort something out. Maybe we get someone from AIM on to give us a 10-step roadmap. That would be good. Yeah, no, that's an idea. I, I think I might pursue that one. Uh, as for my natural and honest delivery, uh, well, thanks for that. I just try and... Uh, I, I've had comments before saying oh, I should be a bit more upbeat and up-tempo and whatnot, but... Um, I think it all balances out in the end um, until we get that special voice synthesizer where you can listen to Small Biz Pod um, in any style voicing you like. Uh, you'll just have to put up with me. But uh, thank you for your for your kind comments. Um, Daniel also left a comment on the blog to say, uh, looking forward to the next podcast. Yep. Uh, that was on the 30th of October. Um, yeah, I don't blame you. He's uh, conscientiously chasing me. So thanks, Daniel, and apologies um, again for the tardiness in my podcasting output over the last few weeks or so. Now, um, on to uh, the Frapper Map. Now, if you want to stick your pin in the Frapper Map to show uh, everybody where you are and uh, where you're listening from, as it were, uh, please feel free to do so. You can add pictures and stuff of yourself if you're brave enough, um, as many have done. It's actually quite a, an interesting way in uh, uh, getting to, to know who's listening. And I know that there have been some contacts made between uh, people listed on the Frapper map. So uh, potentially a quite a quite a useful little networking tool, I suppose. Now, um, as from last show, um, quite a lot of you have added your name to that Frapper map, which you can find in the top right-hand corner of the Small Biz Pod homepage. Just click on the Frapper link. Um, forgive me if I've repeated myself here, but um, I think uh, Kelvin Jones, did I mention you last time, from London, Richard Smith from Crawley, um, Stephen Benjamin from Chicago, Illinois, who says he enjoys the show and keep up the good work. Uh, Neil Cunningham, who's from Haywards Heath in England, says, uh, I'm a South African living in the UK since 2006, January. I uh, really enjoy your podcast since I've been listening for the past week. I'm an entrepreneur for a number of reasons, from the joy of creating something and building it up to the freedom to make your own decisions, no matter whether they be right or wrong. And uh, I, that really chimes a chord with me, um, Neil. Um, building something, creating something, uh, it's a bit like creating Small Biz Pod. I can't believe we're on 33 episodes now, but it, you know, it just gives you a, a real sense of, um, of sort of achievement and, and vigour. And uh, yeah, um, 
I, yeah, what you say is is right. I think. I mean, uh, the, the the combination of creation and freedom uh, are quite powerful motivators. Um, then I had a nice comment on the Frapper Map from uh, Libby Ranzetta, who runs um, the alcohol policy consultancy called AlcoholPolicy.net. And uh, I am apparently to blame for her starting to blog and podcast, which can't be a bad thing. Um, interesting site, that one. I've had a look around. So um, Libby, I think, also is coming to the podcast con, the conference, on the 18th of November. So I look forward to meeting you there, Libby. Um, Carolyn Mumby. Uh, whose podcasts I've also listened to. Um, she is of the Managers Club and is the host of their podcast, which is very professionally produced and very much focuses on issues in her part of the world, which I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, is Yorkshire? No, maybe not. But um, I should have gone and checked before before coming on. But you'll know where you are, and I'll put a link into um, the show notes for um, the Managers Club and for Carolyn's podcast. So thanks for that. Andy Minchell um, uh, also puts his photo. Nice shades, Andy, up on the Frapper map. And last but not least, um, Tish Matter, who is also, I think, coming to the podcast conference, um, is, uh, has also put herself onto the, onto the Frapper map. Um, and I know she's uh, been enjoying the podcast too. So thank you very much for that, Tish, which leaves me... One thing to do, and that is to introduce uh, this week's music. You'll know, much to my sadness, Electromancer is dead. But we have the podcast Music Network, from which I've taken this track called Ordinary Deity by the band Alu. you 